0: Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Victoria Guido, and with us today is Sean Young, the CEO and co-founder at Classcraft, an innovative platform that motivates students using the culture and mechanics of games. Sean, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Victoria. I'm happy to be here.
0: Wonderful. Yes. Yes. So, just tell me a little bit about yourself, and maybe what brought you to start out as a, a teacher initially.
1: I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm an interesting uh, journey. I'm uh, was originally a physicist, uh, physics major, although I loved uh, physics because. It really gives you a deep understanding of the world. Uh, I realized that physics research in a basement with machines on your own, (laughs) was just wasn't for me. So that's when I started substitute teaching, I really wasn't going to go into education at all. It was just, there was availability, lack of teachers. And, you know, I, uh, and, and it's kind of ironic, I really did not enjoy school. It was a really high school in particular, it was just a really challenging time for me mostly because I just didn't see the point of it. I I didn't have any problems in school. I had great grades, but I just was bored out of my mind. And so, as a teacher, I became really, really obsessed with making school meaningful for, you know, the the students that were there. And, you know, because so many kids, so many learners just don't see the point. And so, I did a lot of like really cool like project-based learning type of stuff. So, that's where you'll you know instead of lecturing the kids you get them doing things and learning by doing and so we would I was teaching physics obviously and so we were we were building like hot air balloons and cannons and you know all kinds of stuff to to study Newtonian physics and you know kids were super happy to come to the class because we were doing some cool stuff but i realized you know as that was happening that another part of meaning generation for kids and learners is to is the community and the social aspects and so i started thinking about how i could build community in the classroom make the, you know the social experience of school relevant for them and that's how you know classcraft was born really i um, you know kind of put together you know my interest in in motivating and building community w- with kids yeah i was a developer at the time as well so you know I'd, i was able to develop a platform and of course i'm a gamer so you know kind of put all those things together and built this platform in my classroom
0: that's great. I was going to ask what skills or experiences from your teaching background translated to being a founder?
1: That's interesting because, you know, clearly in the product, I mean, I, like Classcraft was never meant to be a company. I already had a company. I was freelancing uh, as, a, as a developer for pretty large clients. Um, you know, in New York, I was um, working with my brother, who's a creative director there. And, you know, we worked for chanel for three years building apps and, and websites and you know uh, that was our probably our biggest clients. So i wasn't looking to make a company i was i just built it for me you know i was it was in my quest to you know make school as meaningful and relevant and after three years of just tinkering around with it with my students realized it was having a massive impact on their outlook on the way they collaborated together on their motivation and you know because classcraft is a platform that basically gamifies Education, so Mm -hmm. kids level up, they earn points. You know, they can they're on teams. They have a character class. All the things you would you see in an RPG uh, are translating to you know how teachers are running school. And so I made a website just to talk about it after three years of you know, this garage project I had going on. And uh, the day that website went online, 130,000 people came to the website. It just started trending on Reddit Gaming. And overnight it was, you know, a lot of people were asking like, how do I download this? I'm like, you can't, there's no company. (laughs) (laughs) So, So that's how the company started. Teaching's an interesting profession. I think that teaching is a job that requires you to A, motivate and manage a whole bunch of people. You know, so there's a lot similar there to you know, management, it's a group of humans that you want to work together to get to their full potential, just like, you know, your team should be. But then there's also like independent planning. Like as a teacher, you have a set amount of time to get through X amount of curriculum. So you're always, you know, project management, basically 101 is the same thing as running a curriculum through the year. So there's a lot of those types of like soft skills that translate really easily to, you know, entrepreneurship and ultimately, as a teacher, you're responsible on your own for your own successes and failures, which is, you know, the type of attitude you need to have if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur is to, you know, be responsible, <laughs> uh, you know, take control of your destiny a little bit.
0: Right. I hadn't thought about it from that angle. It makes a lot of sense. You're really an independent owner of that classroom, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And trying to get, you know, humans to collaborate and do stuff, Um, <laughs> Sounds a lot like running a company.
0: (laughs) Right. I I saw the tagline on Classcraft, relationships are everything. And I was like, that's Mm. a a perfect DevOps kind of (laughs) statement.
1: Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) Right? We're thinking more like human relationships, but that's so funny (laughs) from the DevOps side, for sure.
0: In and outside of the classroom that you need, it doesn't matter how great your technology is or your strategy, if the people aren't talking to each other you don't have the right relationships you're not going to be successful
1: correct and ultimately that's the value proposition of classcraft schools that don't build good relationships between students that don't do it between teachers and students that don't do it between teachers and administration are dysfunctional Mm -hmm. like and and what we're seeing in education today is that one of the fundamental breakdowns that are that's happening and and, you know that's proxy for what's happening at large in society is the relationships are quite strained right now in in schools and that's making it really hard for them to be effective
0: right it sounds like this app was built out of your direct experience and your direct experience working with these students. What do you find is unique in working with students and how do you appeal to them as a user base?
1: What's really special about EdTech is that your buyer, you know, or or the user that makes the decision to use the product is not the end user. And, you know, that's true in all B2B SAS, right? Like the the decision maker who who purchases the software isn't necessarily the employee who's gonna use it. Mm-hmm. But in education, there's like multiple levels, right? Like if we sell to a district, they're the ones buying, but ultimately they need to get the teachers to use it. And then at the end of the day, the actual real users are the students. And so there's a lot of design considerations when you think of UX and and even when you think of like user permissions, there's a lot of complexity there in education because you know, our goal is to build, you know, as much motivation and engagement mechanics as we can for kids. Mm -hmm. And so that means, you know, leveling up and random loot drops and, you know, all these things you see in video games, but applying that to school. But then you need to build all this like plumbing, (laughs) basically to to, like make it usable by a user who's the teacher who doesn't really know much about games, you know, and that's changing as, you know, the, the teacher average age of teachers is, you know, going down uh, a lot of retirements, et cetera. So, so that's changing, but like at the base of it, like the kids are really well versed in games, game mechanics, game culture, but the teacher who's running it is not. So we kind of have to like speak two languages, one of pedagogy and classroom tools and data and, saving time you know these are the things that educators care about and you know and incidentally they care about motivation and motivating the kids and and all those things but for kids we're talking about like avatars and pets and gear and leveling up and all these this whole other set of language and so when you think of like design considerations we always have to be thinking about like how do i make this as motivating and engagement and engaging as possible for the kids but how do i make it as easy to use and not complicated for teachers because if the teachers don't use it then the this kids aren't going to see the value anyways so it's pretty complex because we're not like our, we don't have one single end user
0: right and so you have the challenge of making it fun for kids and then also providing useful and understandable data for teachers and probably parents and other people right
1: yeah yeah exactly there's lots of stakeholders
0: So I I want to ask both about more about how do you make it fun and then I also want to know more about the teacher's perspective. So whichever one you want to start with first.
1: Perfect. I mean th- those two questions are literally the placement of what Classcraft is. Like Classcraft is the Venn diagram between what in education is behavior intervention, so managing kids behavior. And motivation. And so, from a motivation angle, so, you know, what, 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 how do we make it engaging for kids? In essence, kids are earning points in class craft for things that they're doing in school that we want them to do. And by we, I mean, schools can configure whatever it is, but it'll be things like handing in homework, being respectful, being inclusive, participating, you know, being on time, these behaviors that they want to see in kids to make them better learners when those behaviors occur teachers can give them points and the points allow them to level up they allow them uh, as they level up they, ha- they each have a character they have an avatar um, and they could be you know warriors um, healers or mages and based on that character class they have a different role in the team so they're playing in teams just like in an mmorpg or on a football team and everybody has a different role within the team and you win as a team and so school is, is quite competitive. Kids are always compared, you know, to the class average and their grades. And, you know, there's a lot of competition happening in schools. What we've built is a way for kids to be motivated by collaboration. And so, um, so they're playing on teams. Uh, if they do good things, they get these points and they level up. And they like millions of combinations of like gear that they could buy for their avatar. But they're also unlocking real life powers. And so these powers are things like, you know, in a video game a power would be like, you could shoot a fireball In class graph shoot a fireball is the equivalent of like, you can skip a question on an exam, or you can go to the bathroom, or you can hand in homework a day late, or, you know, you can listen to music while you're doing your classwork. So giving them real life privileges as they level up, and these aren't one offs, they're skills that they have that they can trigger whenever they want, just like in a game. And some of those skills are things like being able to heal up your teammate because kids can also lose lives if they do negative things. So if you're late or you're rude or whatever it is, just like in Mario, you know, you what's failing in Mario? It's falling in in a hole. What's failing, you know, as a student? It's you know not doing what you're supposed to do or being a bully to other kids. And so as that happens, they can lose lives. And but then they can come and help each other out. There's like boss battles where they can, you know, fight monsters by answering quiz questions, et cetera. So, all these motions that are ultimately the things that are happening, anyways, in school, what we're saying is instead of like punishing kids or forcing them to do this stuff, make it feel like a game, speak their language, use the same mechanics that we know are super effective at motivating players. Like nobody's forcing people to play video games. Everybody's doing that of their own volition. It's, you know, the most popular cultural medium that exists today, you know, well surpassing, you know, film, movies, music. And so why are games so good at doing that? It's because they fulfill fundamental needs, being in control, feeling like we're progressing, social relatedness, That's what we're bringing to school. So, that's the student side of it. The other side of it, behavior intervention is, well, one of the biggest challenges for teachers is managing kids. It's not like showing you how to do a math problem. It's getting you to care about it, listen to it, stop disturbing other people. And so, a lot of time and energy is spent on classroom management for teachers. And so, what we do is we use best practices there around, like, for example, There's a lot of research out there in education that says that praising kids for good behavior is a lot more effective than punishing them. And so, you know, games are really good at praising you. You level up, you gain points, it tells you your score. What we're doing with here is giving them that framework, but applying that to classroom management. And so instead of saying, hey, Victoria, stop goofing off or, you know, you're, you're you're not dressed well, go to the principal or whatever it is that's happening in schools. What we're telling teachers to do instead is say, hey, Victoria does something good, recognize her, give her a high five. And, you know, in Classcraft, a high five is gaining points. And so we're shifting uh, and applying this pedagogy, shifting towards a positive reinforcement mindset. And at the same time, because these high fives are digital, then you get all the data so you can know, you know, which behaviors did Victoria do at which time with which teacher? Hey, she didn't get a lot of points this week. What's going on with her? Maybe we should talk to her and see, see what's going on before her behavior escalates. And so there's a lot of value from a behavior intervention standpoint. But ultimately, it, it's super effective because the kids really care about it in a way that they don't normally care about classroom management.
0: Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm hearing... Something I've studied before when looking at like technology organizations, which is that growth mindset, I think you're describing, right? Mm The positive reinforcement, praising the effort for something versus their intrinsic skills. And that's Mm -hmm. something I love about teaching. I think that really, really translates to running a technology organization.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, ultimately what we're doing is giving schools and teachers a platform for really effective culture building. Mm -hmm. right and what you're talking about is culture within the company in essence and and it's really it's the same thing it goes back to what i was saying earlier about managing a group of kids (laughs) and managing employees is super similar it's all about what type of positive culture are you building
0: Mm -hmm. i think there's something really universal about that it's actually even true with dog training i have a dog and that it's the same kind of motivational theory that works for them too yep I love it. So you know, and you mentioned that you built this tool yourself, and then suddenly it became very popular, and now it's it's really I'm sure scaling. So what challenges have you faced with going from this homegrown tool to something big and out there in the world?
1: Lots of challenges. Right. Uh, <laughs> I would say you know the working in education itself is a challenge. It's a pretty uh, challenging vertical to work in. It's. Uh, ripe for disruption at the same time, pretty conservative like there's a lot of forces working in education systemically to you know not have it move forward. you know working with schools and districts is is challenging. They have a lot of requirements and you know of course they're custodians of kids so you know that's legitimate, but it does make it uh, more challenging. One of the things that we we had to, evolve was we were very much a teacher only tool when we started my i built it as a teacher if we was our, our user in mind was a teacher we even our business model initially was you know there was, it was just selling to teachers basically there was a free version and they could upgrade to it to a paid version and as we got more and more scale you know we've 10 million plus kids in the platform now as we got more and more scale what we ended up happening was we were working more and more with schools and districts and so we went from a like b2c you know go to market and and product vision to a b2b slash enterprise where you know we have to roster 10,000 100,000 kids in one shot um you know so all the like user provisioning connecting to information systems that these districts have etc like all of this ginormous plumbing that needs to happen to in order for it to continue to be easy to use for every single teacher you know and, and alongside with that The other challenge is we were super appealing to, you know, teachers that were interested in games. (laughs) And so when you think of like some teacher who's in their 60s and, you know, doesn't has never really played any games and just thinks that they're a silly waste of time. There's a different sales pitch that needs to happen there to get them on board, and a different onboarding. One of the things we had to completely overhaul was the onboarding to make it really progressive. You know, Classcraft now, when you start, it start there's no avatar; like it starts super lean on the feature side, so that these teachers that are, you know, we're basically educating them as they're using the platform, educating them on um, all this game stuff. There's a lot of learnings in terms of like, you know, what's our actual target audience and if our target audience starts to be you know enterprise customers how do we evolve our platform to appeal to you know a much more diverse type of persona from from a teacher standpoint
0: right i was thinking actually of a good friend of mine who is a teacher and has been running dungeons and dragons campaigns for us for oh, there you go <laughs> <seven> <laughs> <years>. <laughs> I was Like he would love it yeah. um <laughs> he'd be all about he would, he would exactly <laughs> Yeah, Uh, but I could see that being a challenge now that you're shifting your target business model, really. And how do you adapt to that?
2: As life moves online, brick and mortar businesses are having to adapt to survive. With over 18 years of experience building reliable web products and services, Thoughtbot is the technology partner you can trust. We provide the technical expertise to enable your business to adapt. And thrive in a changing environment. We start by understanding what's important to your customers to help you transition to intuitive digital services your customers will trust. We take the time to understand what makes your business great and work fast yet thoroughly to build, test, and validate ideas, helping you discover new customers. Take your business online with design driven digital acceleration. Find out more at tbot.io acceleration or click the link in the show notes for this episode
0: What else are you looking ahead for with Classcraft what's on the horizon
2: Um there's a
1: lot I mean we like I said we have 10 million kids in the platform plus but we have teachers in every single country you could imagine and you know there's a universality to what we're proposing you know we're not saying here's you know the best tool for 5th grade math in the US we're saying you know, solve this universal human problem that's prevalent in education, and so we, we have teachers in, you know, you name it, uh, Taiwan and Australia and Singapore and all over Europe, and using Classcraft, and so there's there's definitely opportunity for us to look at the international landscape and identify opportunities. Another like frontier beyond, you know, going out of North America is going beyond the brick and mortar experience of the classroom. A lot of what's happening in and around your software is actually not happening, you know, eighteen inches from the screen. It's happening in this context where You know, there's 30 other kids, and there's all these interactions going on. Like, for example, if you made a reading app, you can imagine that the kids sitting in a quiet space on their sofa at home reading this thing. But the reality that's happening is they're in a really loud, you know, (laughs) classroom with lots of other kids around them, et cetera. And so, the design context for for designing for ed tech is really interesting. Like, we have some views that are meant to be. Only on a projector in front of the class, and when that happens, the font needs size needs to be like you know eighty point because a kid in the back needs to be able to see it. So the screen real estate you're playing with is like pretty unique scenarios. Like, what does this look like at 120 feet, let's say, because people are using it in the gym. So interesting design challenges, but they have been really um, ensconced in the idea that. You know, a lot of how people are using Classcraft is with real life physical situations. But Classcraft, in essence, like we have an API, so um, you can also imagine behaviors that are not brick and mortar behaviors, right? Like if I'm saying, "Hey, being participative," that's something the teacher would see and observe and give you points for. But there's three thousand tech platforms, and all of them have digital behaviors that. You know, teachers want to see. They want to see kids handing homework in these platforms. They want to go see them complete assignments. They want to go see them, you know, participating in digital communities. These are all, you know, basically the new frontier for, you know, digital behaviors um, that are a part now post pandemic of the ecosystem of education. And so we're really interested in, you know, connecting to other platforms and, Like I don't need kids to be in class craft. I just need them every day. I need them to be earning points. And I'm happy if they're doing that in other platforms and that those interactions are are awarding them experience points and points in class craft. And and ideally automatically, that way the teachers don't have to do anything.
0: Right. And so you're integrating with all these different platforms and you're working with all these different school districts and all these three, you've had to make some difficult technology choices in your stack. Do you have any examples of those?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I started the company, I'd I'd come out of, you know, programming in... I started building cool websites in ActionScript. (laughs) So that dates me a little bit. But, you know, I'd just come out of a decade of ActionScript and PHP. And, you know, I'm like, PHP does not scale. And it doesn't afford the same type of real-time interactions that you expect from a game. when when I decided what the tech stack would be right at the outset, it was, okay, we're going to do this all JavaScript. It's going to be node. And at that time, you know, now that's a pretty, like anybody would make that decision, but this was, you know, nine years ago and it wasn't as mature as it is now. And so that was a pretty ballsy move. And one that we, you know, never, never looked back on, but we had a lot of things that we had to build ourselves because the libraries didn't exist yet. And, you know, we were really pushing the edge of what was possible in a browser, especially in a browser in school with a crappy internet connection, you know, and often they're on like older browsers. Although it was the right decision to like, you know, lean into the leading edge on the tech stack, it, it did afford us with a lot of like specific challenges that we might not have had if we'd said like, oh, let's just keep this super old school. You know, some other things that we've had to like, you know been challenged with over the years is you know just scaling the number of concurrent users is always a thing um when we started it was you know uh, we had a single database one server you know and i was doing all the devops and you know a lot of what we've done since then is just move everything to like services so we've got you know mongodb database as a service (laughs) we've got you know. We're, we're all on Google Cloud now. You know, I think that we're, you know, from, from an IT standpoint, we think a lot about what stack we're going to be using. And to me, like what really matters is build the product as fast as you can and as well as you can. So, you know, outsourcing all of the like DevOps pieces to cloud providers is, in my opinion, <laughs> a really good use of funds versus, you know, maintaining it yourself and, you know, spending tons of money on, on like sys, sys engineers and architects, the reality is that for most products today, like what exists as a service in the cloud already bundled is, you know, they, they, we've got like auto scaling when there's too many concurrent users, We, we spin, it automatically spin ups, spins up new Docker, you know, servers, etc. So, We've we've really evolved from this like monolithic, you know, single server approach to, you know, this imminently highly scalable solution that is all virtualized. But in doing that, moved all of it to services. And I think that's the right move because we're not, you know, if if I was really, really core, you know, if I was, you know, I don't know, (laughs) an online video game, then the like speed of connections and all these things become super important. But in our case, reliability, scalability is more important than, you know, the fine tuning to a precise degree of, of um, you know, specific tech infrastructure. So, and I'm seeing more and more founders now, Victoria, as well, go to like codeless solutions as well. Like I think we're kind of abstracting a lot of what was core to product development from a tech side. Um, you know, first it was the DevOps, then it was, the, you know, the cloud. And, and even now code I think is moving in a direction where, we're systematizing bundling and you know having other services generate code more and more i think we're i think we're moving towards that just in in software in general
0: yeah i think that is becoming prevalent i I do think like low code automation has also been like coming around every like five or ten years or so (laughs) right i always i have the belief that like technology never disappears. It just keeps living and new tech gets created and like the user base shifts around a little bit. Uh, it, and of course, for you as a, a technical founder, putting it all in Docker and setting up the auto scaling on Google is probably within your reach. Whereas a lot of founders, that might be something more challenging and you might need to have some some support for, but that's essentially what we work on for mission control as well is, is helping teams set up their platforms so that it will scale automatically that it, if there's an issue, you know about it in advance, <laughs> you know, you can take care of it before it falls over. And that way your users just see a, a reliable, happy system, right?
1: I'm so grateful that I am a technical founder. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of founders and the ones that don't you know know how to code really are at the mercy of like so many unknown variables like i you know and i'm not coding anymore but i'm very aware of what's going on in the platform and i think that helps me make better business decisions every day so i i have i have a lot of a, a lot of gratitude when i compare myself in that regard
0: right and i think it's really about communication then too like having a good understanding of your system is, is helpful but being able to understand it well enough to then communicated to other people and what the totally. value is and yep. uh, how you want to invest money in different parts of the system. I think those are two things that you yeah, having maybe a little bit more of experience in technology and then also having a teacher experience, I think sets you up to be successful. But we also, of course, at ThatBot, we offer a lot of that technical expertise to help founders mm-hmm. navigate some of that. So there's a little pitch just for us. <laughs> but let's see. Let me go through, I think I've gone through a good amount of questions. Here's one that I like to ask everybody. But if you could travel back in time to when you first started Classcraft, what would be the main piece of advice you would give yourself?
1: If I could go back, there's some big lessons that have been learned. You know, I've been almost a decade now as a founder and a CEO. One of the things we didn't do early enough was user testing. Like if I split the life of Classcraft into like three eras, there's like the first third... We didn't need to because we had all of my own experience and we'd been, you know, but once we started moving past, you know, what was the initial product that I had built in my own classroom, we continued to make assumptions. And we, you know, of course, always listen to our users, but now we're like super systematic about it. And any new feature has like research behind it and, you know, a really solid UX practice that we should have implemented much earlier. I think we're we're making much better roadmap decisions today than we were you know three years ago, you know, like a lot of companies hire uX people super late, and I would say i would I would do that earlier or at least develop the chops to do it myself uh as early as possible, so I think that's one thing I think as well, and maybe this is tied to that i I think we we should have and could have iterated faster as well. You know, a lot of startups and and the tech scene talk about iteration, but there's a difference between like incrementally iterating and just adding on, adding on, adding on and actually, you know, making the kind of iterative decisions that you that, for example, like pulling part of the product and discontinuing it, for example. we And we've done some of those moves, but I think we could have done them faster. Uh, and we should have done them faster if if we'd had that UX research ba- data to help us make decisions faster. So it's more than like common truism is like, oh, listen to your users and, and listen to their feedback. Like, yes, that's true. And we were doing that. But I'd say like, go further and create... Robust structures to get that data faster. Um, you know, not just wait for it to come in, but actually go out and get it and digest it in a way that's actually usable, right? Because yeah, you give know, you a whole bunch of testimonials and feedback, but if it's not organized, it's not somebody's job to make sense of it. Um, it's just kind of sitting there. So there's a lot of value from that perspective that you can that you can quickly generate for your users and therefore for your business,
0: right? save you some time and some money probably in in validating your ideas. Right.
1: Yeah. And and the, and the problem with education is that it's a yearly cycle, right? Mm -hmm. We're not looking on monthly scales. We're looking on, you know, the whole school year. So back to school happens once a year. And that's when you get a ton of data because that's when there's the most activity for like right now, like August, September, October, these are the moments where we're getting the most data, and then when you make changes, you got to wait all the way back to, you know, the next back to school. So in particular in education, I think there's some like the cycles are long versus let's say more B2C type consumer, you know, verticals where the test length is like a week. You know? <laughs> so, so if it's coming once a year, you better make sure you're organized, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Really, one shot.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: That makes sense. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all of those insights. And I want to give you a chance to promote anything else you'd like to share with our listeners.
1: Thank you so much for, for the conversation, Victoria. I appreciate it. I mean, I think if anybody you know wants to find out about ClassGraph, classgraph.com, tons of content and resources that we're generating about these topics of building meaningful relationships you know, in school, but in general with, with human beings. And I think that Classcraft is a B Corp, and so uh, for for people who don't know what that is, it's a certification around impact, and so we have a built-in commitment to, you know, generate good in the world, um, and uh, and it's a pretty a pretty hard um, certification to get, so we're pretty proud about it. But you know, I think that the this commitment that we have of generating meaningful relationships both with kids, but also with our employees, with our community, with our different stakeholders, um, has been really core to, you know, a lot of the decisions we make um, and, and how we make them and how we approach, you know, different problems. And so, you know, I think that as a tech founder, sometimes we, we can lose sight of what are we actually generating in the world. Um, and so, you know, I, w- I would encourage people to think about You know, if you're thinking about starting a company or thinking about your own company and the impact it's having to look up, you know, that certification, but also just look up, you know, triple bottom line, these types of concepts that are becoming more and more prevalent that really give meaning to the endeavor, you know, starting a company and and, and running it is a lot of work. You need to believe in what you're doing. (laughs) And I think having a mission that, you know, generates impact uh, in that way is is a good way to um, you know motivate yourself and your your team to go the extra mile and, and deliver.
0: I love that. And did we really cover the full impact this app has had on kids and that are using it in schools?
1: Yeah, I mean there's we're there's a ton of research about classcraft actually that's been done by, you know, pedagogy professors in 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 colleges and you know like literally thousands of papers have been written on ClassCraft because there just aren't a lot of everybody's interested in student motivation. There aren't a lot of, you know, scalable systems for doing that other than Classcraft, And so a lot of research uh, that's been done about that topic, but that incidentally happens to be, you know, using Classcraft. and a recent meta study about Classcraft craft uh, was conducted and, you know, they saw a significant statistical impact on student motivation and learner outcomes. And so it's hard in, in you know, in education to really understand impact easily because it's, you know, it's social sciences. So you, you need a lot of big data samples and you need the control groups and it's, it's, it's complicated. So we're pretty proud about that because a lot of companies that work in education, you know, don't have that kind of hard data. Like it's like, okay, it seems to be having an impact. We've got, you know, pretty hard proof, literally hundreds of millions of positive behaviors that kids have done that are being reinforced every single year, Um, And when you think about that, you know, most kids don't get any positive feedback, right? Like the kids that get the most attention are the ones that are acting out and being the worst. Um, You know, so like 90% of teacher energy is being directed at 10% of the kids. And so, most kids, you know, go through school without ever feeling a sense of belonging or accomplishment or, or praise. And, you know, we've had kids write us saying, you know, I was suicidal. Classcraft changed my life. You know, like these types of t- user testimonies where the impact, the human impact of of the approach is really, really real. And, and for teachers as well, like I was so demotivated with teaching. I found the spark again, thanks to Classcraft because school is fun again. <laughs> so there's there's a lot to, to be proud of there for sure.
0: That's wonderful. Really powerful that you've had that impact and been able to see it both in from a scientific perspective and from those user testimonies. So <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And I think it's an inspiring story. And that's probably, you know, why you're also so involved, it seems, in in leadership groups in EdTech and in other communities in Quebec. Is that right?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the, the reality, so so I'm the president of the EdTech Association here in, in Quebec, which, you know, I helped co-found we've got a hundred plus organizations working in EdTech that are part of the association. I'm also uh, co-chair for the Global Collective for uh, Social Emotional Learning, Digital Learning for UNESCO, and I've been involved in numerous different systemic endeavors in education throughout the years. The truth is, Changing education is hard Um, and the the way we're going to succeed is is like it's fundamentally something I believe that we should really be focusing on as a society is, you know, improving education, education outcomes, like all the positive changes we need to see to tackle the incredible challenges that are upcoming for us as as a species are going to happen through education. But for that to happen, we need to make education evolve. And for education to evolve, we need to all work together. Um, so, you know, the association is interesting because it's like a coopetition <laughs> in a sense. Like, you know, all these entrepreneurs, you know, we're not necessarily... Like we're all competing for the same budget dollars, um, but we're not, you know, we're we're looking at education problems in different ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we're more successful as an industry you know, individually, everybody's going to be more successful and more kids are going to be impacted. So I just believe that, and this is true specifically for education, but I do believe this for, you know, any vertical If we're if businesses are collaborating to elevate the, you know, if the water rises, everybody's, you know, everybody's boat goes up. I really believe that that's true in business in general and in education in particular.
0: Right. It reminds me when I was at Purvis Digital, my last position, we were part of the Digital Services Coalition, which is another coopetition group Mm -hmm. of federal contractors who are going after the same money, but we are all trying to see the government be better. Part of that collaboration, which sounds like what Classcraft is all about too, right? We're all in it together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, because if that's not the case, especially for incumbents then what happens is status quo right mm-hmm. and for startups for for you know tech companies you know usually status quo is 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 bad like that that's where you're trying to generate opportunity from and so but sometimes you know the systems that are there government systems in particular we've seen a lot in health as well like you know mm-hmm. over the last few years you know in clean tech all of these impact tech sectors, you know, part of what they're fighting against are market forces of status quo. And so, you know, it's only by all working together that we can really move that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we could, we could keep talking about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, unless you have anything else you'd like to share, I'll go ahead and wrap up. You can subscribe to the show and find notes along with a complete transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at VictoriousG. This podcast is brought to you by Thoughtbot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
2: This podcast was brought to you by Thoughtbot. Thoughtbot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.